I, I've got to say, I'm jealous of you turning up with a book to open, like you're going to open a tome for me. <laughs> and... It's just because I can't type. Well, yeah. I can, but I'm very slow. <laughs> well, you asked me to type normally, and that would mm. kind of <laughs> give away the surprise. It would a bit. Yeah. Yeah, just don't mind me gulping. I'm just eating a little biscuit here. Mmm. Mm. Ooh. It's spicy. What? I want cocoa. What? Are you excited? Am I excited? Sorry, yes. Well, slightly excited, slightly scared. Why? Because we haven't done one of these for a while. No, it's been a while. It's been nearly a year. In fact, it's been over a year. Alright. Officially. It has been over a year since you've you've led the story. Yep. Yeah. I'm just moving my wire out of the way because I need room for my book. Right, well... Because unlike you, I can't have it on a little tablet or a little phone or something. Well, <coughs> you could if you typed it up. I could, but as we've just said, Joe, I can't type. How how long is your story? Um, I don't know. <laughs> how many words is your story? Have you written back to front? Have you gone... Uh, yeah, I usually <coughs> do, actually. One, two, three, four. You've five. written, like, Japanese-style. and a half pages of Japanese-style writing. But it's not A4. No. And I don't know what size... No, how many and my, my writing's quite scrawly, so, you know. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser-known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with... It's, it's difficult having spent over a year being the person in the know to suddenly have to switch places and be ooh mm. I don't know where the I don't know where the the conclusion of this tale will take me. I don't know if I'm gonna be incredibly inappropriate championing someone and they're gonna end up being a murderer. Well as I have <laughs> written here and let's start with what I've written because that's a good start. Mm. Um this week's episode is slightly different for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I am hosting Joe has no idea what I've written about at all. Mm. Um, and secondly, it isn't going to run, as the last one didn't, quite how Joe does it. Because, to be perfectly honest, I can't hold that amount of knowledge in my head. It might explode. Right. So I'm running it a little bit differently Okay, to usual. well, let's give it a go. Give it a whirl, see if Okay, it works. so our story begins on a dark and stormy winter's night, just like tonight. And because, honest to God, Dorothy, I think, has gone off to Oz. <laughs> it is so windy outside that our conservatory doors blew open. You thought we'd been robbed. I thought we'd been robbed. So, it's a dark and stormy night. It's a dark and stormy winter's winter. night. Oh, yes. Do December have... night. Oh, it's in December, right? Oh, it's in December. Do we have a year or a, a time? Well, bear with, because the date depends heavily Ooh. on your source material. But it's gen- the general opinion is... Somewhere in the 16th century, it can't be specific. Right, okay. Sorry, so. I tried to get a specific date. We're within thought, 100 years, we're, we're just sitting within, within 100 yeah, years. Yeah, right. so 17, no, is that yeah. right? Yeah, that is right, isn't it? No, wait. 16th, 15 15 something. something. Sorry, that is Noxie's tale. Noxie, please. Actually, she's very apt for this episode, so I might just let her carry on. Um... During this time is when we'll find out what our legendary character... Legendary character. Legendary but character si- is going to 16th do. 16th century. 16th century legendary character. So in the 1500s, there was a legendary character mm. at some point during those 100 years. Let's do it. Okay, I'm excited. Are you excited? You I should am. be. I was very excited. Unfortunately, 
not much to nothing is written prior to our story that I'm going to tell you. Right. But so please, we don't have this person's No backstory. Childhood. I'm right. really sorry. They there's, just turn up. There's no, there's no preamble to this. We're just going to jump straight in. So, sorry, I'm just going to have to put my book there because otherwise it's not in the right place. So please picture the scene. The weather was ridiculously bleak, as it is tonight. The fishing village of Mausel... Mausel. Ah. On the Cornish coast, heavily dependent on fish for food, were nearing starvation. Is this because <clears throat> the, the it was literally frozen over? No, it wasn't. No, it was just really stormy. The, we're right, not they just talking get out snow. Of no, it was it was so bad that the fishermen who essentially serviced the village couldn't. Yeah, it was a m- lot more by local back then. Oh, wasn't it was it? very yeah. local. Noxie, have you just eaten a biscuit? She might have done. Never mind. So yeah, they were nearing starvation. Christmas was approaching, and the people were getting desperate. We're talking. <gasps> there's there's dying children there is starving and, old people and families and are we starting to look at granny and grandpapa and think mm, yummy 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 grandpa I mean, in my tummy well let's technically gammon <laughs> in the ship in <laughs> good the, name sat at the bar yep was the fisherman tom borkuk tom borkuk or borkock not ballcock not ballcock b-a-w borkock cock borkock right Thomas Borcock, and nobody ever made a joke about his surname. Probably not in the time, no. This was different times. Are you kidding? They were cruder back then, if anything. Fair enough. Well, legend has it, and who are we to question it, let's face it, (laughs) that seeing the growing misery and desperation of his loved ones, he boarded his fishing boat on the 23rd of December amidst this storm... Right, so he'd had enough of life, is what you're telling me. He was like, and sailed out of the gates of Mao's Hole Harbour and out to sea. Right, so... Off he went. And his goal is to do Bear what? Bear in mind that at this point, his fishing boat will be one of those little tub boats mm. that you see in beautiful Cornish villages tied up. Yeah. Yeah, it would be... Not we're not a talking a trawler. Boat. And he'll be, he was the only fisherman on that boat. Well, this is my other question. Was he, if he was line fishing from a boat like that, yeah. surely all the fish will have gone really deep to get away from the worst of the storm. Because if I was a fish, I wouldn't be sat in those top couple of metres of sea. Because I'd in be the getting, stormy, yeah. yeah. I'd be getting tossed about all over the place. It'd be a bad time. I'd probably get seasick. Mm. I'd be sinking down low. So how's he... I mean, if he's planning on going to catch fish... Well, Fisherman Borcock set out with one thing and one thing only in his mind, that he was not coming back without a boat full of fish. Right. Was was he going he further was... up the coast to Devon to see if they had a wholesalers or...? No, he was going out into uh, the sea. People die in the channel, you know. I know. Like, I know. lots. So, I mean... More than you'd think. Is he ballsy or is he stupid? Let's find out. Naturally... Is he ballsy? Bawsy. He's got bores. <laughs> oh. So naturally, people people did think we were, he was probably going to be a goner, wasn't he? Let's face it. You said it. he had a wife and kids. I was no, his... no, 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 no. No, oh. he was an older man. His his kids had left. His wife was dead. His parents were dead. He lived on his own. But obviously, he had <clears throat> he had fisherman friends. <laughs> fisherman yeah, fisherman friends. <laughs> For anyone oh. not English, there is a brand of mint made in Fleetwood called a fisherman's friend. It can strip paint. Mm. Mm. It will cleanse your nose at 200 metres. Driving it... past the factory oh, in Fleetwood yeah. clears your sinuses like nothing yeah, else. absolutely. Mm. 
so it, again he had fishermen friends he had fishermen friends and he wanted to help this you know the community was essentially dying mm. it was it was touch and go um so yeah that they, they thought he was probably a goner no one would see him again but despite their initial fears the villagers lit lanterns and candles to guide him safely home i mean a candle is one watt surely yeah but we're talking back in the day of storm storm lanterns where you'd light a massive kind of pillar candle in a glass storm right to kind of reflect it out yeah with like a reflective thing wouldn't there have been a lighthouse isn't there a lighthouse near mausel it didn't mention... There was no mention at all. So it may have been pre-Lighthouse. It could I have guess been pre-Lighthouse, yeah. If there's no major shipping, if you're not having the big ships, no, then you don't there's need no, to... No, 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 mm. no. It's like... It's the most beautiful twee little Cornish village mm. um, set on the coast there with its own little harbour. Right. Yeah. And he's just sailed away from that into the belly of the beast. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to find out what happens next to Tom? Well, I'm assuming he doesn't just wash up on the shore with his nose nibbled off by eels, because if that's the case, it's a very short story. Well, luck or divine intervention was definitely on his side. Following the legend, we are told that his bountiful catch, a ship's worth... Well, a boat's worth. He had a boat. Okay, a boat's worth, hull, full, brimming, right, full of fish, Yeah, included seven different types of whitefish. Right. Which, for the time, was quite something. Was it? Apparently so. Oh, you got seven types, did you? Seven We're types, going to be eating yeah. fancy. Wait a minute, did they manage to do a seven fish roast for Christmas? Well, let's find out. <laughs> His catch was enough to feed the entire village of Mouse Hall, and he saved their lives. And they started referring to him as Jesus. Apparently, the entire catch included seven types of fish, yep. which were baked into 50 pies, which had the distinctive look of pilchard heads poking skywards right supposedly to prove there was in fact fish inside and not just rotting vegetables as had been the case for weeks before yeah essentially oh so they tricked the kids into eating the pie by putting a lovely little crust on top well it needs must put a little lid on it and then watch as i think they were doing um you know uh, cornish pasties i think they were filled with garbage filled with i don't know well (coughs) to be honest when you buy a cornish pasty you never know what's in it until you bite in. No, you don't. Now, do you want a quick recipe for stargazy pie? Stargazy pie. That is what Damn it's it. called, stargazy pie. That. Yes. Um, we're going very left uh, field here, but absolutely. Well, do, tough because seven, you're getting it. Do seven kinds of fish go in this? They do indeed. Wow. Go on. I got my recipe direct from Tracy Roberts, head chef of the ship in Mausol. <gasps> oh, right. So it's. Ah, the, the, is it one of those things where you're only allowed to make stargazy pie within a certain distance no. of Mausel? Well, I think it's traditionally eaten down there, but she was happy enough to give me the recipe, so... What? She was? Well, yeah, I emailed her. No way! Yeah. So, she wrote down to me six times different white fish. Now, she was non-specific because it's whatever you can get hold of. Well, fair enough, as, okay. as in keeping with the legend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, baked in the... Baked in the oven with fresh herbs. Did she name the herbs? Uh, tarragon, nope. sage, oh, and lemon zest. Where the f- were they getting lemons from? I have no idea. Back in the fifteenth century, <laughs> in Mausol, the Arsender nowhere. I don't know. No, be fair to the Cornish; they were the first to start trade routes yeah, with main, mainland Europe. Let's not. No, I know, and I was just being. <laughs> 
The Cornish are actually a lot more sophisticated than the rest of England gives them credit for. I know. That's why they have their own flag. Yep. Next, a layer of grated eggs, which is like... Grated eggs. Yeah, hard-boiled eggs, but like kind of chopped or grated as if you would an egg mayonnaise without the mayonnaise. Okay. Okay. Right, yep. Uh, Then cream. Good, yep. She said lots. (laughs) Of course she did. Yeah. We're down in Cornwall and we Devon. Did. Which do you put on first? Do you put the cream first or the fish first? Because I'm sure there's well, no, an it's, argument. It's fish, herbs. Cream. Eggs. Cream. Yep. yep. Then mashed potato. Oh, I love it. Yes. Then you finish it with a pastry lid. Wait a minute. You have the mashed potato up against the pastry lid? Yes. That seems dry. Now, it, it it's not. But also, <laughs> not a real pie. Now, no. this is... This is very much a north-south divide thing. No, it's a right-wrong thing. <laughs> no, it's definitely a north-south divide thing here. Because up north, if you say you're going to get a pie and you get a dinner with a pastry lid, that is not a pie and people will get cross. A pie is something you can actually hold in your hand so it has like pastry in case. All the way around. All the way like around. a pork pie. Like a pork pie, like a meat potato pie, like cheese like and onion Cornish pie. Like a Cornish pasty, to be Like fair. a Cornish pasty, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. It's a self-contained I mean, it a pie, meal but... is what it is, but with a, a pastry lid on top of a, a tin, you've got the tin afterwards. What are you going to do with that? Well... You're going to have to walk around with a tin like a tit for the rest of the day. You are. You absolutely are. Everyone's going to call you Tin Man. Now, you might have noticed that she only said six times different white fish. So where's the seventh fish? Well, you take your pilchards then and you cut them in half. So you get the heads (laughs) sticking up and then you also get the tails sticking out. So it looks like your fish is swimming through the pastry. Right. Yeah. And your, and pilch- <coughs> your pilchards, I take it, are... No, no, they won't be pre-cooked. No, they're raw. The they raw they cook in the oven. Mm, okay. A bit like a bit like um, white bait. Okay, kind yeah. Of. So they go crispy only, on so the top. So they go like crispy. Um, and then uh, six pastry stars on the top. Now, I wanted to know why not seven pastry stars, but they were very specific that it had to be six. It's easier to cut into sixths if you're cutting up for people. Although that being said, it's probably easier to do eights. Yeah, so mm. I don't know. But anyway, six pastry stars and then you just bake it in the oven. Cooking temperature, half an hour. Cooking temperature, 180 degrees, if anybody <laughs> doesn't know. And for our American friends, that's Celsius, not Fahrenheit, because you have a weird system. You do. I'm sorry, but you do. Yeah. So, yes. So that is... My Lady Tracy's recipe from the ship in, where Tom Borcock is commemorated. Commemorated. I'm sure there's a plaque. Yeah. Or... So every year she makes hundreds of these stargazy pies and she gives them away for free on the on December 23rd at the ship in in Mausol for free for the thousands of people who come to celebrate Tom Borcock's Eve. Tom Borcock's Eve, which is the 23rd of December. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's what it's called. You know, there are very few suicide missions that end with you being remembered 500 Ooh, years later. Pardon, that was my glass hitting the middle. <laughs> well, you know, being remembered 500 years later mm. for that one night you did, let's face it, a very stupid thing. And that nine times out of ten would have ended with bits of his boat being swept back into Mausel Harbour and everyone going, oh. <sighs> 
Well, Guess truly, we better season grandma. I mean, I did say here, luck or divine intervention. I think luck and grim determination mm. is what we can put that down to. Nothing more, to well, be honest. No, that and a bit that, of possibly insanity. Do you think that he didn't even fish? Do you think that he just... Oh, no, the, he was a fisherman. No, but the, the waves were so powerful that they were just going over the boat. And as it went out through the bilges, you know, mm-hmm. they were just fish in Possibly. there because they'd been getting sort of well, it, swept it, around. It wouldn't have hurt, would it? Mm. I mean, especially on a night like tonight. I mean, it, it is howling out there. You well, can't, hopefully it won't pick up on the mics, but it is pretty rough mm. as we sit here aloft our hill, getting battered so, by the wind. I can't help but notice. Yes. I can't read your chicken scratch <laughs> from, from upside down and so far away. No. There is that more. Was, yeah, that wasn't six pages. And although I'm very happy to have met Thomas Borcock, yep. and I am very impressed with the fact that he is still remembered to this day. Yeah. You know, outlasting a lot of people in terms of still being celebrated to mm-hmm. such a degree. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because the Cornish are very sort of insular and they hold on to their traditions that he's managed to get by where, say if he'd been in Essex, I don't think he'd be quite remembered. Maybe not, maybe not. But since (coughs) at least the 1950s, the Tom Borcock's Eve Festival has been an annual event in celebration of the efforts of the fishermen. It sees the villagers parading the stargazy pies. Yes. A bit like a haggis in Edinburgh. See, now I'm starting to think we can have winter meat festival appreciated. We can go to Cornwall yeah. for that. And then we can go up north in time for Burns Night. Yeah. Oh, this is great. I mean, I love it. I love a proper celebration. And well, you need up. to find me more winter meat-based celebrations. Mm. You then follow the Stargazy Pie through the streets right. with a procession of homemade lanterns Yay. before they all arrive at the shipping to get stuck in to the pie. Which I assume is now ice cold because it's just been paraded around. Or do they parade them around before they cook them? Because that would be the way Ooh, to do it. Oh, now that would be the way. Just prep them, walk yeah. them, stick them, in, stick them in the oven. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Or even better, the lantern doubles as like a pizza oven. Slide your stargazy <laughs> pie in there like an easy bake oven. But I really like that image. I like that image where it's, you know, it is the bleak midwinter, isn't it, really? You know, well, for those guys in Mausel that year, yes, it really was. Well, yeah, I know, but like anywhere at this time of year, it is bleak, it's dark, it's cold. It's... The thing to remember is we were very deep into what was known as the mini ice age then. Yeah. So when we're saying it's cold, it's it's unfathomable how cold it would have been mm. for people on the coast of Cornwall, around the dippity dip of Cornwall. Yeah. Oh, it's oh, right down there. Yeah. That was. It makes what he did even more impressive. Anyway. So, now there is some discrepancy about the origins of the festival. As prior to the 1950s, there's not really a record of the ceremony, which is a touch odd considering that this all happened in the 16th century, according to legend. Yeah. So, So, you know, like all of a sudden, this parading of your stargazy pie and... Your, your lanterns and that just suddenly crop up in the 1950s. Well, this... So, I mean, according according to some people, very, you know, cruel people, it's all a publicity stunt from the pub. Can I posit mm, a may. different opinion? Go on. So if we're in the 1950s, yeah. we'll just be getting to the end of rationing. Mm, I was just going to say we're just post... Well, yeah, yeah post-World post-war. War II, but rationing went into the 50s. 
as I'm sure you're well aware. Mm. And I'm wondering if it was kind of a way of celebrating the end of rationing, we can now make these heavy, cream-rich, buttery pies again because we're allowed to buy as much butter as we freaking want. Absolutely. Buttery mashed potatoes, thick double cream. And to be honest, anyone... Coming up to the first Christmas without and rationing. seven different types yeah. of fish, you know. I mean, you wouldn't have been allowed. Everything everything like that would have been Think rationed. Think about how mental people are going this year. Mm. Because we had last year, Christmas was a bit interrupted. A li- yeah. You know, with COVID. And mm. you weren't allowed to meet up with people. Mm. Imagine if that had been seven, eight years of just oh, God, having yeah. to constantly mm. sort of only use the slightest little bit because you want it mm. to eke out and oh Tiny I don't know if I can afford that and I'm not around that yeah. to suddenly have this I, I understand why they go right we're starting Christmas on the 23rd we'll, we'll need an excuse aha <laughs> I have a, an excuse I wonder if it fell in on a Friday as well because that'd be perfect as well with it the would Christian fishy thing. Friday yeah. fishy Friday well, fat Sunday and then af- afters Monday on afters Boxing Monday. Day well there was a pre-existing festival held by the fishermen within Mausol and mm. the surrounding Cornish areas um, towards, that was held towards the end of December, which included the cooking of a very similar pie mm. um, with different fish, representing the variety of the fish the men hoped to catch the following year. So essentially, it's the equivalent of a farmer's yuletide, if you will, you know, kind of like... Um, you beseeching the gods, essentially. Did I say fathers? No, you said farmers. Farmers, yeah, it's the equivalent of a farmer's yuletide. So yeah, yeah, your farmers, you'd you'd come in, you'd put yule log on the fire, and you'd have you know you'd have your lamb, and you'd you'd sing your songs, and you'd have your festival, and the coming together to kind of like celebrate the winter and the hope of the year to come. So mm. yeah, yeah, and. I, th- I think, you know, it is one of those things that it comes from pre-Christianity, especially because the Cornish were dead against Christianity for a while. Mm. They were not, well, they took more convincing, let's put it that way. Definitely. And that idea of, well, what we're going to do is we're going to sort of represent all the things that we want you to do and we're going to kind of sacrifice what we have in terms of our stores a little mm. as a way of showing you that we have faith in you. mm that you're going to provide again for us is i mean it's a very traditional kind of way of beseeching the gods it's we'll give you something we can't really afford to give up yeah in the hope that you'll see that sacrifice that we've Mm. made and you'll give us a boon absolutely so yeah that's the boring theory that the uh, tom borcott legend is an evolution of like a, a yuletide a fisherman's yuletide celebration but i think to be honest you can decide for yourself whether he was in fact oh well he probably existed yeah and it may have been that he was just, you know, he was the guy who got the most fish that mm. really difficult winter and everyone's mm. like, oh, mm. you know, and it starts off with, well, if it weren't maybe. for you, Tom, we'd have bloody starved. Uh, and we, then over the telling. Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe he did. Maybe he did save Christmas. You know, that would be a nice thought. Either that or he was just a drunk who sat in the ship in and was like, I once caught a fish. It was big enough to feed a village. <laughs> well. And through the retelling. <laughs> oh. Well, I mean... It begs the question, does it really matter? No, not really. I no. mean, if it brings the community together now and it's a bloody good story and if anyone's going to tell an exaggerated story, it should be a bunch of fishermen. It should, shouldn't it? It should. All with their knitted fishermen jumpers and little caps and the beards and the pipes. It's getting a bit mighty boosh now. I know, but it... That... Old Tom there, he ain't ever been fishing. <laughs> 
I'm old grey. I'm old grey. Right, we're going off track. We are. Since 1963, the festival has been celebrated to the backdrop of village illuminations. Now, we live not that far away from the, uh, I don't know, is it world famous? Definitely nationally, it is famous. Blackpool illuminations. No, it is. It is world famous. Is it? Yeah. Right, okay. So I, I mean, it's almost it's, like the Las Vegas Strip. It's not. It's, it is. It it's isn't. not. <laughs> but anyway, I've seen pictures of this little illuminations. It's very twee. Full. Uh, uh, they have full harbour display, fireworks, and everything like that. Of course um, they do. And I've got to show you this. I'm, I've got my phone here. I'm going to show you, and I want you to explain it to the listeners, if you will. One special set of lights which celebrates the act pie with the fish heads in the pie dish underneath the six stars right okay oh that's our window cleaner how nice <laughs> right there you go that's the stargazy so it, it is <laughs> literally an illuminated 2d image of two fish leaping out of a pie looking like they're trying to catch the six stars which are suspended above the stargazy pie rather than being embedded in the pastry. Yeah, I mean, really, they've not really done it it justice there because that's a cropped image of the rest of the village, which has, you know, fishermen symbols. It has lanterns. It has all sorts At of bits and pieces. At least one anchor. At least one anchor. But yeah, so there's there's a little illumination. <laughs> Isn't that twee? Uh, that image comes from uh, BBC Cornwall. Mm-hmm. So snaps to BBC Cornwall there for providing me with that joy. Um if you are like me and are totally in love with this legend and don't want to be a stargazy party pooper, let's face it. Difficult to say. Very difficult to say. Um, there is a brief historical record by a man called Morton Nance. Morton Nance? Morton, sorry, I can't even read my own writing. Morton Nance. Nance. N-A-N-C-E. It sounds like they started a surname and gave up halfway through. They did, didn't they? Um, He was an author in Cornish language in 1927, which gives a little more strength to the Tom Borcock story. Um, Now, his writing on the Tom Borcock story and what he has to say about it, it can still be found. Mm-hmm. It can be found uh, in the magazine Old Cornwall, which can be accessed online. Mm. Uh, this description was of the festivities prior to 1900. Right, so we're getting so closer. Well, we're getting, we're getting closer. closer. And it does actually mention Tom Borcock. Ah, so, yeah, okay. Mm. So he predates, so he's, we're in the 18th We're in the 18-something. Uh, the it, 1800s. Again, again, they were very vague on the actual, you know, the date of the festivities prior to 1900, but this was written but you've in you've went way back, you know, 100 years. Absolutely. So that's not bad. It's not too bad. Uh, though we suggested the name actually was Bocock, and it, it uh, spelt French, and in the French way, Beau. Bocock. C-O-C, Bocock. Right, well, um, I mean, as much as everyone likes to, you know, try and argue it, we are all essentially French after the Norman invasion. Well, yeah. there's there's definitely a little bit of French in all of us. Absolutely. Um, as the name, as it is written now, the Borcock uh, is not indigenous to Cornwall, but this B-E-A-U space Beau. C-O-C, which is a French... Bocock. Bocock is. Yeah. So 
you know, it might have, you know, adapted well, over time. This is the problem, especially you back because you're talking about Middle English being filtered through Cornish. Mm. People spelt phonetically, and it was however they wanted to. I know, so you it's... never could get a true spelling. It's the reason that you know so many surnames are identical in the way they sound, mm. but are different in the way they're written because. Everyone just had their own go at it and different things stuck. That's why K is sometimes spelt with a, just a K-A-Y. Uh, yeah, sometimes it's K-A-Y-E. Name. Yeah. You know, and then you get key and you get mm. all of those different things. Sometimes you get an E in the middle, so it's K-A-E-Y. E-Y. Yeah, so, because yeah. everyone just had a go and vowels were just for sprinkling in wherever you felt like <laughs> Wherever it. you fancy. As opposed to Welsh where it was consonants that are just sprinkled in wherever you feel like it. So part of what this Morton Nance wrote in 1927 mm-hmm. um, is now a traditional song son, sung on Tom Borcock's Eve. Now, I am not going to embarrass myself. Yes, you are. No, I'm not because I haven't written it down and I will not be saying it. Um, it is written in traditional Cornish. Tom Bocock had balls of steel. No. Heave, ho and haul away. But I strongly recommend a quick Google search because it's the first thing you... That comes up if you Google Morton Nance, Tom Borcock's Eve. It is a song um, and it's played to the local tune of a wedding march. And they sing it on Tom Borcock's Eve. So you're getting... No, I don't think it's the wedding march. It's a local... Tom Borcock got some fish and saved us from meeting Grandma. Yeah, I'm not going to even attempt to speak oldie cornwall oh god no because it's i i couldn't my brain just would not compute but i think to those who can maybe speak speak uh celtic or gaelic or in fact old cornish there's very i mean you could fit them all probably in a decent sized football stadium yeah well it would be a treat for you and, and you know what it would be a treat for anybody to just have a bash at but i'm not going to embarrass myself so, though many theories swirl around the orange of the or, oranges, <laughs> where did they get those lemons? I don't know. Let's start that again. Though many theories swirled around the origins of the tale, as some believe its roots are in the Methodist Church. Now, you mentioned you mentioned the Cornishes. No, 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 of uh, the Christian faith. Yeah. Well, they reckon some stories some roots could actually be linked to the Methodist Church in Cornwall, uh, with Tom Borcock acting as a shining example of selfless commitment and community values. Oh, yeah, but I reckon they would have dibbled on that later. Oh, they yeah, I do. They love to do that. They're like, I do. And that guy over there, you know that guy who did a nice thing? Christian. He was a secret Christian. But, I mean, I've written here, and this is my thought on on the whole thing. Mm. Truly, it begs the question, does it matter? Does it Does it really matter, the origin? Is it not just delicious that we kind of don't know? Well, from, from a, an amateur historian, very amateur historian's point of view, no, I want to know. Okay. But I do like a good story. I and love a good story for what it to is. To be fair, I, I just like the idea that one guy who had nothing left to live for, really, I'm guessing, you know, he was in his 50s, which he was at the end of his life in that yeah. period, time period. Yeah. Um, just went, well, either I go out there and I die and everyone goes, wasn't he a hero trying mm-hmm. to do that for us? <clears throat> or I come back with the damn fish. 
And I will be stood a drink in this pub every night for the rest of my life because I literally saved these people from starving. And when it's a zero-sum game like that and you're living in, you know, not the best conditions, because I don't think Mm -hmm. all of the affluence from London sort of dribbled down all as far as Mausel. No, I mean, I can imagine now it's, it's quite if I dare to say it, quite an affluent affluent place to live. Because, Cornwall? You know. No, it's quite an affluent place to have a second home. Mm, okay. To, to live is probably a waking hell because half the, half the houses are shuttered up most of the year mm. and you're just forced to get by and eke out until that tourist economy comes back in the summer and then everyone buggers off. We should go to Mausel in winter. I'd love it. I'd mm. uh, this this is kind of where I'm shoehorning this oh, idea it, into is this your brain. Entire thing, Cornish Christmas. Can we please go to Cornwall for Christmas? Cornish so, Christmas 2023. You heard it here first. <laughs> so anyway, a legend is a legend and a story is a story and let me tell you another story. I think I know what this story is going to be since how you've mentioned Mausel, mm. but I don't want to ruin it for the listener who may not know. Okay, well, talking of stories, in 1991, The Legend of Tom Borcock was made into an award-winning book by the author Antonio Barbara and illustrated by Nicola Bailey. The story has been adapted for children and we follow the lead character, which is Fisherman Tom, and his loyal ship's cat, Mauser. Ah, see, here we go, the Mauser cat. Yes, as they set sail to catch the fish... And the boat hits the storm, which is represented by the storm cat. Mauser saves the day by purring a song, sending the storm cat to sleep so that Tom can catch the fish and bring his cat home. Now, I thought the legend of the Mausel cat Mm. predated 1990s. I'm going to be honest there. No, that book was written in 1991. And it just... I've been duped. It's a reimagining of the traditional story that... Makes it more animals. makes it more palatable for children. So you've got your lead character, which is Tom. Fair enough. Um, and you have his... It's a female cat, Mauser, um, who essentially lives for his catch of the day. Um, and she joins him in the pub. And then, you know, con- kind of as the boats can't go out because the storm, cat's sky- the storm cat is raging. <coughs> she also recognises the need to go and try and do something so she agrees to go out on the boat. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I'm at, just looking at our cats. No. Our Knox, who was with us before, Briefly. and looks surprisingly like Mauser from the book. Really? Um, Mauser is a black and white. Well, all all the best cats are. All the best cats mm. are. All our cats are black and white. Just mm. let you know. Or black or white. <laughs> yeah. Thursday is all black. Sure. But anyway, cats aside... Um, yeah, and then she goes out on the boat and she tames so, the storm cat and it becomes a storm kitten and goes to sleep. Well, isn't that lovely? Isn't that a beautiful story? However, could you imagine trying to take a cat no. forcefully out onto a boat in the middle of winter? No, I can't imagine putting a cat on a canal boat. Never mind a flipping boat on the sea. <laughs> well, our cats would fall in. <laughs> That's the problem. Our cats know no different because yeah. they don't go outside. They so. just walk, continue walking, fall in yeah. and then drown, sadly, mm-hmm. in about two foot of water. So, yeah. So I think that's like a lovely adaptation. Um, and as we've just said, a way of introduce, uh, introducing regional traditions to children. Well, that's always important. Yeah. Um, 
to be honest, it's it's nice because even though people are well, you've taken um, a story and you've kind of bastardized it and you've made it into something. It gets people interested. Yeah, it does. And then when they're older, they go, "Oh, I wonder what the story of the mouse or cat really was." And then they go, "Oh, it wasn't. It mm. was Tom Bocock or Barcock." Well, this is exactly what happened to to me because in 1991 we were four. We were four. And I remember that now. I remember reading this, well, or having this book read to me, mm. and it was only a couple of years ago. I suddenly thought. Is this actually? Because I know Mouse Hall existed. Mm. Is is it actually? Is this cat legit? Is it legit? Now the cat, sadly, no. Um, but Tom is, as far as I can find. Mm. So yeah, interesting. Now I've got a gift for you. Oh Jesus Christ! Is it the Mouse Hall cat? It is. Hey, I've got a copy of the Mouse Hall cat. Now currently that is out of print, uh, but. I see what you mean about Knox looking like the mouse I know, very much so. But a very little look on the internet found me a second-hand copy. So you yourself, if you fancy reading The Mouse or Cat... I can. ...by Walker Books, you can Google search. It's available on Amazon Secondhand or eBay or, you know, any of those second-hand bookshops online. Dot com. Or maybe try your local library, because yeah, I'm all for local libraries. A lot of probably will. Yeah, so my last little bit about the Mars Hall Cat, um, which again, for you uh, internet lovers, something else for you to Google search. In 1994, Channel 4 took it on and created an animated version Ooh. Uh, as part of their Christmas schedule, which is very festive. Mm. I mean, I'm not going to lie. The problem here is in 1991, Yeah, uh, I got Mario 3, which had just come out mm. for the NES. So that's what I was doing over the Christmas period of 1991. I'm pretty sure 1994 was when I finally got a Mega Drive. So I was more enamoured with a plumber and a blue hedgehog. Well, I'll tell you what, these then, times. maybe you could find out all about it for the very first time now because I'm fairly sure it's available on YouTube in YouTube. its entirety. It's not a long... It's you know, it's a children's short adaptation. Channel so... 4 are the kings of hand-drawn. They are. And I'm sure it is lovingly hand-drawn oh, and animated in very a very sweet. British style. It's very sweet. Which so there you lovely. have it. A lovely bit of English Christmas tradition and folklore. I'll tell you what else it reminds me of. The place we went to just outside of Edinburgh. Yes. The little chapel. Yes, Ross, Ross, Rosslyn Chapel. Rosslyn Chapel, Is it yes. Rosslyn Abbey? No, it's Rosslyn Chapel, isn't it? Where there was a cat there. And oh, yes. Unfortunately, the famous cat... William. Of, William, the famous cat of Rosslyn Chapel, died this year. He did. But much like the Mousel Cat, or even better than the Mousel Cat because William existed, there is a book about him that teaches kids about the chapel. It does. Which just goes to show, if you want to teach kids history, involve a cat. That's why the Egyptians are perennially Absolutely. loved by kids. Because <laughs> of the, the sheer volume of cat. Absolutely. Now, I have actually done quite a lot of research around this because... If you've got new information... Tom is... A very... Here today! No, he's... <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, like this is your life no <laughs> no because tom's quite a difficult character to find further mm. than you know a page on wikipedia 
But I can recommend a source um, at bernarddeacon.com. Now, he has created and curated a Cornish Studies resource. Fantastic. Bernard Deacon. Bernard Deacon. Yeah, Deacon. Deacon. I can't even read my own writing. Deacon. Bernard Deacon. Yeah. So, yeah, he has created this Cornish Studies resources page online. And uh, I would heartily recommend you go and check it out if you're interested in Cornish history and folklore and of course the good old BBC because they have a BBC Cornish page there. I'll tell you what, Cornwall probably, I mean of all the counties mm. I'd go out on a limb and say it probably has the most folklore and history. It's very interesting because and really it was rather lovely. so separate. The Romans mm. looked at Cornwall and went, not with a barge pole mate, I'm not going to try and take that. Nope. You know, so many people have come over and invaded England and then looked at Cornwall and gone, they scare me. Absolutely. I'm going to leave them to it. Now, I am going to leave you with this. Um, Mm. If you are wanting to try your hand and uh, make a stargazy pie for the 23rd of December. Next year, because this is coming out, unfortunately, after the 23rd. Absolutely. um, You can access very tasty looking recipes for this on bbc good food and there are a plethora of other sites as well Mm. um do you know they're all very similar though i heard a very very good tip when you're looking for um a a recipe if you Mm -hmm. want to make something new what i was advised you do thank you nox is that you look at several recipes Mm -hmm. and you look at all the things that are the same Yes. And that gives you the core of the dish. And then everything else you know is kind Mm -hmm. of to preference. So you can do whatever you want with it. Absolutely. All I know is that if we make stargazy pie, it's going to make the the cats absolutely insane. The smell of cooking fish is going to send them scatty. And that thumping, by the way, that has been plaguing this recording has been Noxie's tail hitting the mics as she has walked... Across hither the table. and thither. Mm-hmm. In and around. Up and down. Are you you want to say something to the people, Knox? You want to give me a meow? <laughs> no, no, that was me. Nothing, nothing. Never mind. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. I feel like I have something else to research. Mm-hmm. And another source to research, because I don't feel like I give Cornwall enough time. No, no. Which I'm doing them a disservice. As they are essentially their own country. They and are. good to them. More power. With Rick Stein, naturally, as their king. Naturally. Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.